Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 540. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I'm well. It's another month through what has been some interesting times here. But I'm happy to be here, um, progressing along. Weather-wise, we're going to be down into the single digits tomorrow with wind chill in central Pennsylvania. How are things out there in the bay? What's the color of the bay? Uh, let me tell you, we got a big winter storm coming through right now. So uh, we have got waves in the bay. I mean, out in the coast, it's been like 30-foot waves. We've got a huge storm coming through, one of the biggest of the season, dumping a lot of rain in the bay area, which is great because we haven't had a really wet season this year. And up in uh, up in the Sierra Nevadas, it's uh, got snow. They've got like a couple feet of snow coming up through there. So uh, pretty chilly in the bay area, lots of wind, lots of rain, knocking everything over. Classic California winter storm. So uh, choppy and wavy in the bay today. With that, uh, let's talk about the show today. T today we're going to be talking about Cube Academy and Cube Academy Pro. We've got on our show Eric Shanks. Eric Shanks is a staff solutions architect. So uh, Eric is here. If you want to check us out and see what we look like, we broadcast on YouTube. So you can go to youtube.com slash vbarbecue and check us out. We put up all our recordings there and you can see myself, uh, Matt and Eric uh, as, we, as, we, as we live stream if you want to see what we look like. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, and we'll talk to Eric about Cube Academy Pro. Before we get there, we can talk a little bit of the news and what's happening. Matt, I know that uh, the, the expert apps uh, got done, so they wrapped up, right? I think they're just now in voting happening. Yeah. And we almost have all of the voting completed. I believe as of earlier this week, we had something like less than 50 uh, applications to process. That's um, fairly risky. And we should be having an announcement before that one time. It's uh, 14th of next month. Okay, well, there you go. So uh, this year, uh, I remember the year that I processed the apps with the community team. It took us until May to get the, the awards out. So uh, we finally got that with the VExpert Pros voting, all automating, uh, and so forth. So uh, I am happy about the fact that that's uh, going, and thanks to everybody that's doing that work. And we're excited to see what the uh, awards look like, and obviously the social media traffic that goes along with all the congratulations and thank yous uh, should be in. A, a good year and uh, we're, we're excited to see everybody get that award and move back into the land of the living. So uh, I know that uh, slowly but surely people, the healthcare workers are getting the, the vaccine going. I know that they're ordering more doses 
places. So I'm really hoping for 2021 to be something that we all get to get out and be evangelists again in person versus uh, everybody doing podcasting and live streaming and uh, online events and everything that we can do to be online. So uh, that's happening. Uh, News-wise, I uh, have not heard anything about Pat Gelsinger other than, you know, he has resigned and they're looking for for somebody to replace him. So uh, that's what we're going to continue to wait for. I know we did a show a couple of weeks ago, so we'll keep you updated as we hear any kind of things that we're allowed to talk about. But uh, honestly, I talk about everything anyway. So, but I haven't heard a single thing, right, um, from from anywhere about what's actually happening with the re replacement, other than our stock popped up today. And we're not allowed to really talk about stock price on our, on our show either. So I, I won't talk much about that, but I would say that... Uh, some news must be out there, so hopefully one of these days we'll hear what's happening with our with our Pat Kelsinger replacement. Uh, I know that uh, he's been doing interviews, and Pat has been over at Intel talking about how to fix Intel. So we'll watch. We'll watch there. I feel like we're a little bit like uh, New England with Tom Brady, right? Like where Tom Brady moved on, but half the fan base is kind of watching to see how Tom Brady is doing, right? And I, I feel like if Pat Kelsinger going to Intel, it's going to be the same kind of thing, right? So keep you in the loop when we do it. Are there any other news items that we should talk about before we just get into the show, Matt? I'd say we dive right into it. All right. All right. Well, first, let's uh, welcome uh, back to the show, Eric Shanks. I think you've been on the show before, Eric, uh, if I remember right. So good to see you back again. Give us the couple minute elevator pitch. Who are you? What do you work on? And what does your career arc look like? Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm a staff solutions architect in the Tanzu Labs platform services group, uh, the Matt BU. Uh, I focus on basically helping customers get Tanzu set up in their environment, integrated with the rest of their, their uh, tool, uh, and automate those types of solutions. So that's, that's my day job. Um, got here by, uh, before I was at VMware, I was at a consultancy in Chicago. And my job there was to help customers with vSphere, AWS, cloud, uh, strategic, like digital transformation type engagement. Um, and that's kind of my background. I started off with vSphere, got into automation, now I'm doing Kubernetes. Interesting, interesting. Um... Yeah, so I guess we should uh, ask you first, like, so what's the update? I know that uh, you've been, you know, working in this space for a while, going out, uh, engaging with customers. I think we talked about it maybe seven months ago or a year ago, something like that. Uh, what, what do you say? How is it going? I guess I'll say, like, uh, from that perspective, I mean, given the COVID's in here, a lot of people are doing things online, uh, you know, the upgrading to vSphere 7, are people able to upgrade to vSphere 7 and, and get these projects kicked off? I hear mixed messages on how IT projects are going when it comes to upgrading and changing your environment. Sure. Yeah, I couldn't tell you exactly how all the customers are doing, but uh, my group here has still been uh, very busy. So even though we're doing everything remotely as opposed to flying out and spending time with customers, we're doing that same thing via Zoom or WebEx or whatever. Um, it's made for a, a challenge for how we typically deliver things, but uh, we've kind of made the adjustments and I think uh, customers are still happy. Uh, and, you know, engineers from our standpoint, we're, we're not traveling as much. So if you really like to travel, that's kind of a bummer. And if you didn't like to travel, it's kind of a bonus. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So in in, in the standard vSphere upgrade perspective scenario, are, are people doing that and they're just doing it online and they're, you know, they're just staying away from, you know, going into their, their data center, I would assume. But you're seeing projects move forward when it comes to upgrading to vSphere 7. And then I would assume that, you know, then they start doing project definitions for rolling out Kubernetes on top of that, right? So it's almost like a two-phase. You get to seven, then you install, get Kubernetes going. Or maybe you do like Greenfield, where you set up new vSphere instances and then move to Kubernetes. What are, what are you seeing in that from that sequence? Yeah, I'm kind of seeing stuff all over the place. Uh, in some cases, I'm seeing upgrades to vSphere 7, and that's prompting the, the uh, move to, to Tanzu Kubernetes grid service. Uh, in other cases, we've got customers that are trying to deploy Kubernetes on AWS, or they're deploying on you know vSphere that's not on version seven. They're using a, a, our our multi-cloud product. Um, so I, I'm kind of seeing a lot of different types of things. It just kind of depends on where the customers at in their journey, whether they're in a process of upgrading to seven anyway, um, or if they're just trying to dive into Kubernetes and they're not sure you know what platform they're going to use. Right. Okay. All right. Yep. I can imagine that. I can imagine it just being different across the board as people have different projects and upgrading. So we're here to talk a little bit about uh, Cube Academy as well, right? So the the idea is, you know, how many of us you raise our hand have been running Kubernetes? Like, you know, some of us have done it in our own labs a little bit now, right? Um, but uh, there really is a, a, a not a steep learning curve, but like it's a long, slow grade learning curve, right? There's just a lot th of things to start to learn when you talk about Kubernetes. And I know Kubernetes, uh, we had uh, Kube Academy, which was a, a, an online website. Uh, I think you can go to, I don't know where it is actually. You'll know. You'll tell me the URL, I'm sure. But you can go on there, and 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 there has been content. And now we see a blog article, and I've, I, you know, we looked at blog articles that were popular this this month. And the Cube Academy Pro blog argument has been getting a lot of traffic. And so uh, we thought we'd have you on and just talk a little bit about the educational process around learning Kubernetes, and then Cube Academy, and then we can talk about Cube Academy Pro. Yeah, so absolutely right. Uh, just learning Kubernetes, there's all kinds of things that you might need to know um, before you get started, or even if you've got a cluster and you're not sure how to use that cluster. Um, so Kubernetes is really built uh, as a free educational program, grants members access to technical, uh, in-depth, product agnostic Kubernetes. Uh, so we're going to do, uh, we do Kubernetes training in the pro version. We're going to have exclusive workshops and virtual events that you can join things. You can, uh, you can interact directly with our, our instructors, but really the main, main point of the Kube Academy is to get you up to speed on how Kubernetes works, uh, and not a product pitch. So you won't see specific products pitched in any of these courses. They're very much just Kubernetes concepts, how things work, things along those lines. All right, so Julia, our, our, our engineer, says that we have an audio problem. She, she's telling us that we should stop so, so we can fix whatever the audio problem is. So maybe we'll take a minute and try to debug. So Julia, do you want to uh, uh, tell us what, who do you not hear, right? I think I hear everybody fine. I think on TalkShoe we're passing through, um, not sure. So they say Eric Shanks is got some audio issues. So I don't know. I hear him fine, which is strange because I'm 
getting audio feeds from Eric. He says you're coming it with an. Sounds good on my end. Yeah, and it sounds good here. So, Julie, I don't know. I'm hearing a significant echo from Eric as well. Echo from Eric Shanks? Yes, that's correct. All right. And I don't have any audio going, so I'm not creating an echo. Uh, you're on your headphones, right, Eric? You're on your headphones, right? Not hearing anything now. But usually if you have headphones on, you have no speaker in your space, you wouldn't think you'd have any echo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Julia says clear, but now I don't hear him. No, I do not either. So we solve the echo problem. We just have to He's use brilliant. sign language to to Eric Shanks, and we'll be great. Carrier pigeon. Julia, were you able to hear Eric then? Is this any better? All right, I hear you now. That's good. Uh, we'll wait for Julia. She says no. You're still getting an echo. No. Yep, still getting an echo. You're just coming into uh, StreamYard, I would assume. So strange. You don't have a mic on in your on your Mac. You got your Bluetooth headphones on, which would have a mic, but sometimes you have a second mic somewhere. You're not on TalkShoe, so couldn't be that. You're only on StreamYard, so you would think you would only have one audio into StreamYard. Yeah, I should be talking to you through a Rode Podcaster. All right. That's a little better. That's not nearly as bad as what it was. All right. Well, we get what we get. Uh, guest sounds good on TalkShoe. So worst comes to worst, we can take the audio track from TalkShoe and then lay it over the video stream on YouTube. So we're going to keep going. And uh, so, so here we go. Thanks for trying, Eric. Thanks for calling it out, Julia. I always tell Julia, she says things sound okay. So I always tell her to uh, stop us if we got really bad audio, because otherwise people get to listen to something that they can't listen to. So, But I think you're good on TalkShoe, and I think you're good there. We can always grab the audio from TalkShoe. So all right, so we were talking about Cube Academy, the learning, and then we were going to talk about Pro. So kick it back off to you, Eric, and just uh, so lots to learn, slow hill up the, up the road to learn this stuff. Um, and then this website, does it take it from, you said, not VMware perspective, just concepts and technology, right? So uh, why don't you continue on there, just to rehash that? Right. So there, there's two parts to the Kube Academy. There's the Kube Academy that's got very short uh, individual uh, courses that are designed to be less than 10 minutes long. Um, get your feet wet. They're not product specific, right? We try to keep everything very, uh, not, not a product pitch for anything. We're just trying to help you understand Kubernetes and the concepts behind that. 
Um, and then there's the pro version, which we go into more depth. Uh, it's still not a product pitch. We're not pitching Tanzu products or anything as part of the Kube Academy. Uh, we're just trying to help you up, up level your skills around Kubernetes and the, the ecosystem and um, help you, you know, upskill your career. Um, and then, you know, eventually you'll be using your own Kubernetes clusters, whether they're upstream open source or they're Tanzu clusters. That makes sense. Um, I, I know that we have 5 million IT practitioners and probably less than uh, 10,000 of them have any experience when it comes to Kubernetes. And so I can see that strategy where, and if we look at marketing uh, when we're running the code program, we look at developer marketing versus traditional marketing. And developer marketing is you don't want to sound marketing. You don't, you want to educate, uh, you want to engage, you want to help people learn to code. Uh, so I got to assume that the same thing is happening as we move IT to this new technology, IT practitioners to this new technology. It's kind of going that model of just bringing, uh, bringing them along for the journey. And as they learn the technology, then over time they might be advocates or they might just, you know, start using it on their own space. So it's quite a bit different to, you know, engagement model when you're dealing with, you know, heavy technology uh, where it might not even be product oriented right now. You're just learning technology from for technologies from technology's perspective. Yeah, exactly right. There's there's a wealth of things that you need to know about Kubernetes before you start picking a platform that you're going to run your Kubernetes on. Right. So before Tanzu might be really useful to you, you would probably have some Kubernetes experience. You're building containers. You're doing things like that. Um, a lot of vSphere administrators are probably switching into a role that's more Kubernetes based, right? I think that's some of the, the promise around Tanzu with it being built into vSphere 7. So some of those vSphere administrators are probably trying to understand where do I start? I don't know anything about Kubernetes, but it's going to be my job maybe in the next few months or next year or so. Um, Kube Academy is a good place for you to start because it's taking you from maybe not knowing anything about containers to how to orchestrate those containers and use those containers and be uh, productive with them. Yeah, the other thing I would say, and then I'll, I'll let Matt you know, hit, a, hit you with a couple of questions here, but I would say that the fundamental buying and management experience is going to be shifting when you talk about Kubernetes because the, the old way, VMware cut its chops on the idea that you create a VM and there's isolation between the app and and uh, and the platform like VM the the VM strategy was look we can manage all of this without knowing and needing to know anything about your app it's just a Windows nice little bundle container with the operating system all bundled up and we can put it on any platform we want and it we don't need to know about your app we don't need to know anything about how engineers are building the apps or running the apps because all we're doing is stuffing them in a VM right and then we give you unlimited number of VMs where if you look at the Kubernetes cycle the buy it's almost like you have to work with the engineers to help them understand you know and work on you know yaml files to deploy applications and services and network fabrics that work with these microservices that are running around and so the the purchase cycle and your job role used to be isolation now it's like complete integration when you talk about you know working in your day job with the development teams yeah, for a long time, you know, we've had this idea, we've got a infrastructure silo, we've got an application silo, the two don't talk to each other very well. Um, what I'm seeing with customers at this point, you, like when we're doing Kubernetes engagements, I'm starting to see more of them getting closer and closer together, but they still don't quite touch. They're still kind of siloed. 
Um, so it kind of depends on the customer that I'm working with on whether or not they're, they're going to have some sort of an integrated team and they're all using Kubernetes together, or if a VI admin might be managing the platform and helping them package their app and deploy it and has nothing to do with the application at all. Um, right. versus we go in and say, let's look at your application first and we're going to build this platform to meet the requirements of that application and, and like do it that way. Matt, any thoughts? So for the hands-on component of some of this training, Eric, is there, I mean, can we compare it to like the hands-on lab functionality where it's free reigns, but, but sort of like you're boxed in a little bit as far as what you can change in the environment or is this a little bit more like, okay, interactive clicks or a, a limited interactive as far as, okay, you have to prescribe a command line and then check to make sure that it's entered the right way but you're just not given a free for all. So, so what's the back end there on the, the, the hands-on component? Is it, is it hands-on labs or the equivalent thereof or something it, different? It is not hands-on labs. Um, it's uh, another service that we're using and it might be changing in the future. So I don't really want to go into depth on what that is, but um, most of the, the courses that you would take would be video lessons. Again, they would be short. They'd be less than 10 minutes. Um, there are some of the courses that do have a lab component associated with them, and they would come with like, here's a short lecture, and then we're going to give you this lab environment with some instructions on what you should be seeing and what you should be doing, uh, and then it kind of checks to see if you've done those before moving on to the next piece. It's, it's similar to hands-on labs, but it's not hands-on labs. Instead. Okay. All right. Okay, so... Um... I'm I'm reading this blog article, tanzu.vanboard.com. Uh, you can go, uh, uh, the title is Introducing Cube Academy Pro In-Depth Kubernetes Training Totally Fee. That was going to be my question. Like, uh, So you have regular Cube Academy and you have Cube, Cube Academy Pro, but it sounds like they're both totally free. Do you have to register for one? One of them is uh, like behind a, like I have to reg versus not. What does that mean? Yeah, so the, the Kube Academy stuff, like I said, is those, they're, they're free, of course, uh, and they're five to 10 minutes long in, in nature. The pro courses, you do have to sign up for. Uh, those courses are a little longer, but they're kind of meant for someone who's going into Kubernetes and like they think that's going to be their next career move. It's going to be part of their day job. It's going to be you know, more important to their career. The, the introductory courses might be more for someone who... Uh, has no idea anything about containers or Kubernetes and needs to know where to get started. They're dipping their toes in the water. Uh, it could also be for someone who doesn't deal with Kubernetes directly in their day job, but feels like, you know, if I knew a little bit about Kubernetes, it might help me with what I'm doing. And when I tell another team that is managing Kubernetes, I'm going to have some experience and know kind of what they're talking about. Um, so that's kind of the way I look at those two things. But they're both totally free. One of them you do need to register for. Uh, so that we can send you updates about things about webinars. Uh, it kind of tracks your progress, um, things like that. But they're both free. So looking at this, uh, that's cool. I like that. Uh, looking at the blog article, I see also that Joe Beta is doing an Ask Me Anything webinar series for pro members. So if you go sign up for pro, sounds like Joe's involved and uh, is supportive of this because obviously he's doing an Ask Me Anything on Kubernetes as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, it's actually tomorrow at 10 o'clock Pacific time. Um, if you want to join the Kube Academy Pro group, you can log in and ask one of the creators of Kubernetes anything you want. Uh, and I'm sure he'll give you an answer. Uh, so one of the cool things there. That's super cool. 
Any chance that that would be a recorded, Eric, for those that aren't able to join at that time, or, or maybe a replay at a different time? I don't know that for a fact, but I believe it's going to be recorded so you can rewatch it. Okay. I see that on the instructors list, obviously you're one of the instructors and a concrete curator for the site for all the courses. What went into that? What did you have to do? Were, were you given a prescription or, or were you able to pick a topic or, or how did you end up on the courses that you did? And then what went into building up that course order? Yeah, so uh, the, we've got a whole group of instructors that do these Kube Academy courses and they've got different backgrounds. Like for myself, I used to be a vSphere administrator. Like that's that's where I did all my work previously. Uh, we've got other people that were more like application developers. Um, we've got people that were actual maintainers of some of the tools in the CNCF, like uh, Contour, Steve Sloka is one of our instructors. Um, and they kind of all tackle these topics that maybe are more specific to their their background, like for me specifically, I try to, to, to custom my uh, courses so that if I was a vSphere administrator and didn't know anything about Kubernetes, because I was one at one time, what did I need? What were the missing things that I didn't understand that I needed to learn before I got into Kubernetes? So that's kind of how I tailor my courses. So I'm, I'm looking at my past self and said, what would I have wanted to know uh, now that I'm a Kubernetes you know, engineer for VMware. So how would I have gotten from point A to point B? That's kind of the way I look at mine. And not diving too far in depth, but what's the biggest struggle that you see to make that transition? To answer your own question there, what what are like the top three things that you, as a vSphere admin, that doesn't have that Kubernetes background out of it yet? What do you have to make that mental transition to in your head to be an effective admin for now all of these you know, containerized applications? I think, um, one of the hardest parts for me, and I kind of, I gradually got into Kubernetes. I think that I had an intermediate step where I did a lot of vRealize automation work and, and vRealize orchestrator. So I was, I was taking VMs and then I needed to code them in a way that I could deploy them fast, quickly, destroy them, make sure all the ancillary tools like backups and things uh, matched up with the VM I just deployed, right? Um, so I would it's say- It's a great intermediary thing, step, right? That gets you over there in the construct service. And, and I, right, exactly. So you, some of those things you need to start learning are, do I know how to work with Git? Where am I going to store my code type things, right? They're, they're nothing to do with Kubernetes. It's just a kind of different way of looking at things. I have to assume I'm not going to be doing things in a GUI very often anymore. They're going to be all done through some sort of code. So I need to know how, to, how code works. I need to have some sort of programming language if it's just Bash or it could be Python, it could be Go or you know something crazy too. Um, but they don't have to be anything that in depth. You just need to understand how some scripting works and then start putting those scripts in a Git repository. I would say that's a big one. Um, behind that, I would say APIs, learning how an API works. Kubernetes, you may be able to use Kubernetes and not know anything about APIs. But the whole thing is driven by APIs, the entire platform. So uh, it's pretty useful to understand how a get and a put and post work um, just at a basic level so that you can take the scripting you've done and make an API call and tell another system to do something on your behalf. Uh, I feel like those are two things when you're first getting started that you would need to know before you like dive straight into Kubernetes. And the, the last thing is probably just containers. Like Kubernetes doesn't matter until you get to the container level, right? You, you should understand why we put things in a container in the first place. 
to make Kubernetes make sense because Kubernetes is really the orchestrator of those containers. So the containers is the piece that I think you should learn first. And then the Kubernetes part of it might be more simple. You have to understand what it is that you're managing before you understand the control plane. Yeah, basically. All right, I have a request for you, Eric. Do not test touch your desk. As you bang on your desk, we're getting a echo on whatever it is. Yes, yeah, like try just not to bang it, touch your desk, and we'll stay away from the the booming echo that we got. Uh, so we'll ask for that. Other than that, you sound great. Uh, question: I, it, There's a comment here. I I think that it, it's interesting because. Clearly, application development can scale when you're doing Kubernetes and scale in a way that Windows apps couldn't do, right? Like, and uh, the architecture is is advantageous when you're when you're coming to building modern apps that are web service based. Uh, but it seems like we've almost taken a step backwards when it comes to. I wonder if that's me. No, um, a step backwards when you look at all of the like custom configuration you need to do, right? Um, where I feel like when I, I came to VMware 15 years ago, uh, it was things were messy when we were trying to do multiple application management. When I came to VMware, all of a sudden we had vCenter, everything was neatly in containers, and I was really living in menu-driven click and drag, drag and drop and watching things, and maybe I automated with some PowerShell, but it was very constructed, right? Where I feel like now with Kubernetes, we're back in this wild, wild west, Unix days, containers, APIs, interfaces, like, do we see some of this like, uh, maturing to the point where I'm back in a GUI, click, pointing and clicking to to manage payloads in a in a reasonable way versus the land of Linux and Unix where I'm building scripts for everything. Yeah, I think depending on who you ask, you're going to get different answers there. Uh, my personal thought on this is that at the moment, yes, we're in that gamble management nightmare where we've got all kinds of different config files that we might need to update and change and, and manage before we can deploy anything. But I'm seeing this shift where eventually those things are going to iron themselves out. We're working through those things. We're, like we're integrating Kubernetes with vSphere 7. You can get the idea that we're going to have a GUI-based menu-driven type thing that administrators are going to be able to say, you know, I need a cluster and I want it configured in this way. Go build it. And that'll be the end of it. And you can still do your API-based, uh, you know, scripting and all that stuff through your orchestration tool of choice. Um, but there's going to be a, a GUI piece to that as well, and I think it's going to simplify things. I think once we get to that point, too, you're going to see uh, EI admins are going to be using the tools more often. Like it's going to be very second nature to them uh, with uh, less Kubernetes experience now than and. Uh, Maybe we'll be in the future. I don't think that they're going to have to be Kubernetes experts to run things in the future. I definitely see where VMware can have a role in that, right? Because I saw that was the beautiful thing about vSphere and vCenter was that it, before I came to VMware, right, we were doing, you know, uh, virtual machines with all kind of, you know, very cruddy kind of ways to do it in the Linux world and on Solaris, on Sun world. It was, it was very 
you know, tenuous. Um, and it reminds me of these days where when VMware came in, they just made beautiful GUIs that allowed you to see a container right there or a VM right there. And you had list of, it was organized and it scaled and you could grab a, a, a whole ESX node, drag it over there and drop it. And things would be motion across and it just, just worked, right? And it just worked really cleanly. So I, I could see that as the industry matures that even though we need to learn all this right now, hopefully this will mature into something that isn't like what we're doing every day, right? Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go learn Git. I gotta learn how to get things out of Git. I'd like, ideally you'd have your payloads with icons, kind of like we did with our appliance stores in the early days in 2008 or whatever, where all of a sudden things could be bundled up and then just, you know, deployed. I'm hoping that's where we see some of the stuff mature as well. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's actually where it's going to go. Um, you know, I don't want to speak for the product team or what their vision is, uh, but that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen, at least with vSphere. Uh, you know, I also see this world where in the future, a vSphere administrator that needs to install an app for somebody is just deploying a manifest from a vendor who, you know, they buy the, <laughs> they buy the product for them. And instead of them getting an installer, they get a YAML manifest that tells them exactly where they can pull the image from and a license key and they're, yep. it's deployed and configured. Right, and then and then if you mix that into cloud, there's a lot of cloud management. So that uh, back to the Cube uh, Cube Academy Pro, uh, I'm looking at some of the the courses in this blog. Right, I see Bosky's doing one. So these are like you know really pro pro people. I I, I also do a shout out to Scott Lowe. Right, Scott Lowe's uh, doing one as well. So I just feel like wow, here is like real training, real courses that I would have to go spend $2,000 to go do kind of a vSphere class from education services. And I look at these and I'm like, oh, here's a $2,000 class that is going to be free. And there's enough of them that this is probably my first six months worth of education time. I only have X amount of time slots for education. But if I look at this, I'm like, wow, this is six months of free education. I can go sign up for a course and do one in, in March. And then I'll do one maybe in April or May. And uh, so I got to say, this is this is kind of cool that it's it's all free. Um, I guess you guys are just funded, right? Like you guys, you guys are the, the cool stuff in town. You get you get to be able to produce these and global services isn't yelling at you going, you're cutting into our revenue stream. Like, I guess I guess this is a new enough market that you, you're able to do this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm as an engineer, I'm uh, a billable resource that is usually working with customers. But there's usually gaps in those resources too. So those gaps, I'm spending time building Kubernetes courses and you know whatever is open in our list of things that we wanna help customers with or, or things that we get asked questions about. We're starting a frequently asked questions group that are, uh, you know, the entire course will be eight instead of a video. You know, we'll try to teach the entire thing that's asked in that eight minute video or whatever. Um, so, yeah. but you're getting, perspectives from people that build parts of Kubernetes, uh, that are working with customers and how they're seeing actual problems that they're having. Um, and, and people from different backgrounds. We've got people that used to work at Docker, um, we got people from CoreOS. Um, so a lot of different perspectives there. There should be something for everybody. I see also in this article that you have like an assessment quiz. So if you come in and you don't know where you want to start, or maybe you know a little bit like me, where I've, I've put Kubernetes on Raspberry Pi and I've done YAML editing. Uh, you do an assessment quiz that then I, I guess would uh, make some recommendations on where to get started. Yeah, exactly. You take that assessment quiz. It's only like three questions, I think. It's basically your your what you think your level of experience is with it and your uh, different areas of, of things that are interesting to you. 
uh, and it, it'll spit out a list basically of these are the courses that we think probably match what your interests are. And then if you've signed up for the pro account, I believe it saves that as your profile. So if you leave, you can come back and look at what you've done already uh, and which courses that we thought were going to be important to you. As anybody, when I come in here, do I have to have Kubernetes running at my in my home lab in order to take advantage of the stuff? What should I be doing? No, I think it would always be helpful to have a lab that you can go poke around in and stuff, maybe try out some of the things you may have learned in the courses. But since most of these courses are you know, short videos, they're, we're really trying to teach you a concept. And then once we've taught maybe the concept, we may show you how that concept works in a cluster. So we may go to the command line uh, and run some of the tools to show you what we were, the concept we were trying to talk about. Um, but you don't need a Kubernetes cluster of your own. Um, certainly help. And in the labs, we'll provide you that, that cluster for you to run the lab in. Nice. Eric, is it in structure? Can I have to give you any idea of how many people that you've had through your particular course or how many persons that we've had enrolled through the academy as of yet? I have not seen those numbers. I'm sure someone has seen those numbers, but I haven't. I can't give you a number on it. And to that end, what do you would you say is, let's call it the biggest hurdle right now or, or why the average admin isn't stepping into this? Is it just a a fear of a new technology or that they just don't have a use for it as of yet, that, that the technology itself hasn't caught up with the, the Fortune 500s of the world? Or what What do you see when you go in and we talk about these troubleshooting and not only learning it and getting it out there, but for why the average admin hasn't taken advantage of these resources? Obviously, there's a strong push for putting all this great training material out there, but where's the intimidation factor coming from? I think it's partially fear of the unknown, right? It's it's something com it, it's something quite a bit different from what a traditional infrastructure admin may have been working with, um, and it's it's about getting critical mass. So you can learn individual pieces of Kubernetes, like you might understand how containers work first, um, or you might work learn how service endpoints work, or you might learn how a pod works. But there's a whole list of different things that you really need to have some experience with to see how it all fits together. And then you can, you know, once you've got that critical mass, now you know all these different pieces have their own intricacies, uh, then you can kind of understand the power of Kubernetes and what you can do with it. Then you've got something to work with. But I think it's so much out there about Kubernetes and there's individual pieces and people just maybe don't know where to start. And with your learning process, your personal learning process, was there an, an aha moment? Was there one particular sequence that you can remember where you just went, wow, now I get it. The, the uh, equivalent of the, of the, the V motion over on, you know, the V admin side for, for now for containers. Was there a particular thing where, where this, in your personal journey of trying to understand all of this, where it all came together for you? Sure. And I think I backed into this a little bit. Like I started with Kubernetes before I really learned and understood containers, right? So I, I was like, okay, Kubernetes is a platform. I think it's going to be something that's important in the future. I need to learn this. So I started there, but then quickly realized Kubernetes is just about managing containers. So maybe I should know a little bit more about how containers actually work instead. So my aha moment was when I went, oh, this is why we're using containers. They're, they help teams work on uh, larger applications. They're dissecting a monolith into microservices. Microservices work really well in containers containers we need to orchestrate Kubernetes. So 
I kind of backed into this. I went too far into Kubernetes and maybe should have started with containers, but I got there in the end. All right. Well, I, th I think that uh, you know, g gives a, per a perspective there. Um, there's also a, a piece of this that, you know, we talk about Kubernetes, but there, there's a lot of apps. There's a lot of customers who are just running vSphere. They're totally happy. And I, I, we don't want to make the tech, technology mistake that I've seen other companies do where they see forward thinking shifts. So they jump everything over there. And that's all they talk about. And like 90% of their business is traditional Star Wars, right? You know, like I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to forget that Luke, Luke Skywalker is still a big hero here. vSphere is still a big hero. And this is like a new character. This is a, a development. It's, you know, it's the Mandalorian, uh, but it's also still tied together, right? So we don't want to forget that, you know, that there is a lot of people that might never see a Kubernetes app, right? They might be totally happy with their enterprise and we're moving forward. But in this space where you can look at a new show and go, wow, this is actually pretty good. Uh, I think that that grows into it. I remember going to the Toronto VMUG and, you know, the one of the speakers asked, everybody raised their hand on how many people have, you know, started to see Kubernetes in their infrastructure structure, right? And, and there were about 200 people in the room and only like seven people raised their hands, right? So uh, we have to understand that there is still a big, you know, big vSphere business. There's still, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not abandoning Luke Skywalker. We're still, we're still continuing with vSphere, but this I feel like is something that is more modern, that is pretty cool when you really look at what it can do, right? And it has some advantages and certainly enterprises are going to do it. And it is in the big universe. It is another, another piece of Star Wars. It is another piece of the data center management uh, solution that, that I think sits nicely on vSphere. So it is one of these things that you can spend a little time learning about, even if, you know, your your business hasn't, you know, stood up. But at the same time, I've seen places where if you don't pay attention to Mandalorian, or if you don't pay attention to what's actually happening, um, a year or two later, you find yourself uh, out wondering why you're not, you know, you know, getting exposed to these opportunities. And then development teams might not come to your org, right? In order to engage with you, they might just go directly native on AWS or things that you're like, oh, I wish they hadn't done that. That's going to be a mistake long-term. But because I didn't know enough to have the, the conversation, you know, I let, I let us diverge where I'm going to have to clean this mess up five years from now when we realize we want it to come back together. So there is a little bit of proactive learning in order to be in the exchange, right? Uh, I feel that's that's also important here. Right, I think you should treat this more like a, it's another tool in your tool belt. Um, Kubernetes is gonna be one of those tools and you may use that tool a lot, but you might also never use that tool. So um, you should be thoughtful about when you're using Kubernetes versus your existing apps that maybe run on virtual machines. Maybe they could be re-architected to run in containers. And maybe it's not worth the business's time to actually do that. Maybe it's better to just leave them in a container in a virtual machine and continue to run them that way or move them to the cloud or, you know, kind of leave it in its current monolithic form. So I know there's a lot of networking when when you start talking about Kubernetes, and I see there is one of the classes that I do want to shout out where you are talking about 
you know, the the networking, taking uh, the networking in Kubernetes course, right? So uh, I think is where that's Eric Smelling, uh, Scott Lowe, Steve Solka, and Li Jing, I guess, I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, shout out there because uh, it's kind of like when you talk these silos, we've seen the security silo come in now, and we're starting to engage in security topics. Networking, you used to have a networking administrator, now we all have to start becoming networking. Now you have Kubernetes, but then there's a networking piece to it. And so I, I think it's one of these investments, even if you just want to learn the networking aspects of it, right? I think there's enough networking learning here that that course alone is going to be worth it. Yeah, exactly. So we've got people that have experience, uh, more experience with networking that are that are basically teaching those, those networking courses. But there should be something for everybody because the Kubernetes stack has got to integrate with storage. It's got to integrate with uh, your network. It's got to integrate with your your compute. It's got to integrate with uh, things like load balancers uh, to, to spin up um, for traffic to your applications that you're deploying. And then, you know, you got to know uh, all the Git and uh, YAML stuff that you would do to deploy those apps. So there's something for everybody in, in the course, uh, and you can kind of pick and choose what's important to you. So looking forward in 2021, um, I see, I don't know if I see a complete list of the the pro courses that are that are there because the, you're in the blog article, it's highlighting three or four of them. How many courses are there, and do we expect to see more courses throughout 2021? Yeah, I think uh, next month, uh, there should also be a list for uh, upcoming webinars. Those aren't posted yet. Uh, they're in the planning stages at this point, but they should be posted next month. The four pro courses, I think, are the I think that's the entirety of the pro family at this point. Uh, but we will be uh, adding more pro courses and again that FAQ section that I talked about earlier. Yep, so you can expect more from that. Eric, of the courses that are out there, have you taken ones from other instructors? And if so, was there any that you were your favorites or that you were really impressed with? Yes. Um, there was a course done by a good friend, Tim Carr and Rich Lander on the Kubernetes machine. If you don't care, if you don't think you're going to be going into Kubernetes, but you understand how the thing works, that's the course. They'll teach you about all the componentry of Kubernetes and the control loops and how the API server works and how it integrates with uh, etcd for the backend storage. Uh, that one really teaches you, this is what Kubernetes is doing. At a, at a high level, this is kind of what runs the whole thing. Is there a specific course name or course number for our listeners that are out there that would want to just dive right into that one? You bet. Let me grab it. Uh, it's called the Kubernetes Machine. And again, that was by? It's by Rich Lander and Tim Carr. So a great topic to dive into on the Kubernetes machine itself. One of the questions, one of the questions I see uh, in chat, which is kind of a snarky question maybe, but uh, what's the longevity of Cube, Cube Academy? Is it going to get pulled into some you know, global, is it we're going to have to pay for it next year? Is this one of these Google things where it's free now, but then uh, next year we're going to hook you on it and then start charging you? I know you can't predict this, but what's your thoughts? 
I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, I've been wrong before, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Again, I think this is more about, look, there's all these skills that you may need to know to run Kubernetes or understand how you can use Kubernetes. You're going to need to know those regardless. Um, and then hopefully our products, the Tanzu series of products, then are something that you feel are important and you're going to use those products to, to deploy your Kubernetes workloads. But really it depends on, you know, it doesn't really matter what vendor you end up using. The Kubernetes, uh, the Kube Academy stuff is going to be useful to you. And I don't think we're going to get rid of that because it helps, it helps the rest of our own products. And so I, and so what I what I would also remind people is that Joe Beta is a huge community guy, right? And uh, I think he sets the tone for some of this. I don't think with without Joe in the leadership position around, you know, bringing people along with Kubernetes, I think he came to VMware because he saw 5 million IT practitioners in our community. And this was the best way to get broad Kubernetes adoption is to basically get these 5 million IT practitioners and train them and, and teach them about, you know, his baby and his passion. Right. So uh, I think that also plays into this. Right. Um, having uh, Joe here, you know, who is really this is his creation and what his passion is. Uh, and then, you know, teaching people is his passion as well. He does his his every week uh, podcast. I think you can go listen to him every week. Talk about Kubernetes uh, for free on, on one of the platforms. I forget what it is. Uh, but. Uh, having that guy, you know, be part of this movement and then it, it means that I would expect that we'll see, you know, free, you know, engagement kind of content along the journey because it, it is, I don't know if it's an open source project. I think it's an open source project at the same time. He's an open source kind of guy. Uh, and at the same time, that means community, that means free, that means engaging. And then, you know, we add service levels on top of all these offerings to to, to make money on top of it. So I, my guess is his particip participation will, will help this movement continue to be open and free. Yeah, and his, the work he does with TGIKs are on, on Fridays. Uh, I think they're gonna try to I think they're going to be separate, but they might be integrated in the on the uh, the Kube Academy site. Like I think we're going to be able to stream the TGIK stuff directly from the Kube Academy site soon. Right, right. The T T G I. Thank, thank God it's thank God it's Kubernetes. Kubernetes. TGIK. Right. Now I know they run those every week, right? So you know the platform yep. they're on. So we can do a shout out to the where that where that's hosted. I don't know the URL to that. I, I used to know it, but uh, we'll do a shout out there. Uh, I know we're coming up to the top of the hour. Matt, anything uh, anything else that we should be talking to Eric about? Eric, not to move away from Kube.academy, but is there any other community resources that you have found to be useful in, in learning and adopting um, Kubernetes? You had mentioned Git before and just some basic, you know, the building blocks to set up a good foundational learning path to to get your hands wrapped around containers and you know, the Kubernetes control plane. Sure. Yeah, there's a, a wealth of information on uh, the Kubernetes uh, site itself, but it's kind of, it's really deep. Like you you could get lost in there. Um, so if you're just getting started off, that that's a little trickier question. Uh, I myself have written a whole list of blog articles kind of trying to help you know my past self as a VI admin, learn Kubernetes and pods and services and uh, ingress controllers and all those things. And I've broken those out on my own blog, which is the ithollow.com. Um, but there's also some great books, Kubernetes Up and Running 
which was actually done by Joe Beta. Uh, that's another great one to get you get your feet wet, learn how Kubernetes is working, uh, and some of the thoughts behind it. And Eric, if a listener would want to reach out to you, is there any social platform that they would be best to contact you at? Maybe perhaps Twitter or whatnot, if you wouldn't mind listing your handle. Yeah, if you want to contact me on Twitter, my handle is Eric, E-R-I-C underscore Shanks, S-H-A-N-K-S. And it was the ithollow.com was your blog site? That's correct. All right, well, great. Good. All right, I will see if I will stay unmuted from the amazing Julia Klaus who keeps muting me. Um, so we're at the top of the hour. It's always good to hear from you guys. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, looking forward to VMworld, all the online classes that will happen, I'm sure, this year as well. Um, just a reminder that uh, if you want to do a home lab machine, uh, William Lab has a pretty nice uh, setup that he's defined that will run uh, Tanzu, I think, but it's going to be like at the $800 level. So you're going to have to put a little money in because you need a lot of memory and resources to build a little home lab that'll run it. So if you have under $1,000, go check out uh, William Lamb's blog. Uh, you can go search on it. He's got some good blogs on home lab systems, gives us comparisons on that. And you can get Kubernetes up and running on uh, VC. If you're not a V expert, become a V expert. You can also get uh, free licenses to everything, or you can buy the VMUG Advantage and uh, get free licenses for a year uh, for like a hundred bucks. So that's a way to also get your vSphere 7 home lab set up. If you want to go play with Kubernetes and you don't have any money, uh, but you got like a hundred bucks, you can go buy two Raspberry Pi 4s. Uh, and I, I do a session on installing Kubernetes on Raspberry Pis. You can have a worker node and a master node and set up a little pod. And you can you can be running uh, YAML files and, uh, and, and having something at home that doesn't require any CPUs, any power fans, nothing. Just a couple of those guys can sit in the corner of your desk. And uh, you can hook them up to your monitor and a keyboard and mouse. Or you can SSH into them and uh, run your payloads there, too. So there's no reason that you can't be having a home little lab under 100 bucks, uh, a couple of Raspberry Pi 4s, or uh, over under $1,000 if you want to have vSphere and the whole Tanzu stack set up and running. So uh, that's a shout out to William Lamb for that stuff and shout out to some Raspberry Pis uh, that you can get set up. And uh, Eric Shanks, thanks a lot for coming here. Uh, as always, good to see you. Uh, stay safe. Uh, have fun doing courses. And I hope to see everybody there. When you're in a course, do do you get to see anybody else that's participating in the course, or is it just a one-to-many kind of interaction? Yeah, you can learn it on your own, so we won't see like nobody else will see you in no, there. No, it's just videos. Yeah, so you do it on your own. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Matt. Um, the top of the hour. Any last comments before we talk barbecue? Nothing at this time, but I would encourage everyone to go to Kube.academy and get signed up, and at least take a couple of the introductory courses. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's totally worth it. Um, I'm going to spend some time there myself. Uh, okay. Thanks a lot, uh, Eric. Thanks for being here. And uh, V Barbecue Report, um, Tony Foster, don't know if you've done anything. It has been raining and storming, and I didn't even cover up my barbecue, so I'm sure I have a charcoal wet mess in the bottom of my uh, barbecue. I have not had a chance, Eric, to uh, do any barbecuing yet. I don't um, think uh, to... I don't think with a foot of snow everywhere. I know that Eric Shanks talked about it. I talked about it. Chicago has, Pennsylvania has. Um, 
yeah, I don't think anybody's doing any barbecue this week. And I know Eric. Nope, I, I have some cool stuff planned. All right. Well, Eric, I know you have a hard stop, so we're gonna we're gonna end on the on the top of the hour. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you again next week. We are going to be talking a little bit about networking and building out uh, SD WAN networks, uh, you know, for your environment. So we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot for everybody being here. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.